You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. I'd be listening to the mainstream media and just be left frustrated on how they covered these stories. They would completely ignore facts just to promote their own agenda. I said, man, I could do a better job than these fools. I should start my own show. So I did. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Freedom Strips. I'm your host, Keaton Tucker, and I'm really excited about this episode because I have one of my best friends in the world coming on here to uh, guest on today's show. Cutler Peterson is a uh, law enforcement officer, and I wanted to bring him on because he provides a um, very valuable input on the topic that I wanted to talk about today. And that was the topic about drugs and the war on drugs. So, Cutler, thank you for coming on the show, bud. Thanks for having me, man. I'm really excited to be here. It's funny to be best friends for so long and uh, get to do this. I think it'll be a lot of fun. That's right. For for the listeners, just to give us uh, give the listeners a little bit of a background on our relationship, we practically grew up uh, together in in, uh, in Destin. We both were in each other's weddings and we've been best friends for a long, long time. Yes, and we so have. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's definitely been a, uh, a privilege to, to call you my friend for so long and to have you on the show. Well, thanks man. I'm excited to be here. So, uh, again, the, the kind of topic the the way this came up was, uh, it was on a Facebook post. I, I was, uh, I was posting on a, a friend's um, Facebook post and, uh, somehow or another, I can't really remember how it came up, but, uh, the, the topic of drugs was, was in the thread and, and actually, uh, I, I posted, well, there is a, uh, a case to be made for the legalization of drugs. Um, and then I started to talk about the war on drugs and then you commented and you were like, boy, I'd love to hear the case you can make for legalizing drugs. And, uh, we kind of had this fun, uh, back and forth and I was like, you know what this, like this right here is a fantastic podcast episode. <laughs> so I was like, I invited Cutler on the show and he was like, yeah, I'd be happy to come on. So here we are. So Cutler, d- give me a little bit of like what was going through your head. Uh, when, when you saw me post that, did you know, did you know what I was talking about with the, the war on drugs, ending the war on drugs and that kind of idea? Well, in my head, you instantly you read that and you instantly hear for for everyone probably yeah. hears marijuana. Ah, everyone wants to legalize marijuana. And so I was like, Oh, you want to legalize all drugs? So I'm sitting there like, All drugs. You include marijuana, methamphetamines, crack cocaine, cocaine, heroin, all these the other drugs. The whole thing. The yep. whole thing. And I was like, I'd love to hear this idea of legalizing those. Now get me don't get me wrong, you know, marijuana. I am in total agreement that it's got its uh, own values and, you know, medical values and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm not really here to argue that point or to talk on that point because marijuana, I mean, like I told you when we talked earlier that, you know, I would prefer to see marijuana legalized just so the potheads have something to stop talking about. <laughs> well, it probably would uh, free up a lot of your time as well. Yes, a lot, a lot of my time. <laughs> and, and so that's that's another big reason. So. Just to give you, uh, the listener, a little bit of a background in you, Cutler, um, 
I line up with the libertarian position on this issue. So that means I advocate for the end of the war on drugs. So that means the legal legalization of all currently illegal drugs. That's not only again, marijuana, but um, this is cocaine. This means methamphetamine, heroin, LSD, the, the whole thing. Um, and I know that this idea is shocking to hear on the surface level, but let me get into it. Let me make my case before you start, uh, start tuning me out already. So, you know, you, you might be saying, you know, uh, you know, those drugs are dangerous. They're terrible. Don't you know how many lives have been destroyed by them? Well, yes, I, I do. I have, I've had, uh, family members succumb to drug addiction and overdose, so I know firsthand what these drugs can do and how awful they are. Um, and it's a very sad and frustrating reality that we live in today in the current um, drug overdose uh, epidemic, especially with the uh, opioid crisis um, that we have today. So <clears throat> before I get started, let me be clear. I in no way advocate for this idea because I like some of these drugs and what they do. I advocate for this idea because we would have less crime overnight due to gangs and cartels with their funding completely cut off. We would have less overdose deaths due to better quality control and regulation of these substances. We would have less people uh, in their lives ruined with uh, nonviolent drug offenses. And after legalization, law enforcement would have more time to focus on more serious violent crime in their communities. This whole idea stems from self-ownership, and self-ownership is a founding principle of the libertarian philosophy. So in line with this philosophy, I believe that uh, individuals uh, have the right to do or consume whatever they want as long as they don't harm another person. So that means no matter how dangerous or destructive whatever they may consume, uh, whatever they consume may be, but that's what freedom is. It's the freedom to do things that are good for you and things that might be bad for you. Um, the government doesn't have the right to restrict your access to consume anything, including drugs, any more than they have the right to restrict you from eating yourself to death. Um, so that's where I kind of line up on this. Cutler, why don't you give the listeners where you kind of where you come from, especially since you are on the front lines and, and seeing this stuff every day? So in being a law enforcement officer, you know, I, I see it every day that I go to work and every day in my county and all over the United States. Um, but I've also dealt with it firsthand with having many friends and family members that are addicted to narcotics as well as have lost their life either to suicide from paranoia or overdose in those instances. Um, so I think that's where we kind of disagree. I, I, I don't disagree with you on yeah, everyone should be able to put whatever they want in their bodies. The government shouldn't be able to control what you do and don't do. But in the same instances, we talk about, you know, the, the law enforcement would have more time to focus on more serious and violent crimes. But a lot of our crimes and stuff stem from narcotics use and not in the sense of, oh, hey, they're just doing this so they can go and buy drugs. But in the sense of they're doing this because they're under the perception that they're being followed. The drug is altering their mindset to a point that they are becoming a danger to others like their family members and the public and the community. Um, we have many uh, narcotics users, specifically meth users, that'll go on a binge, you know, for for a day or two days, and next thing you know, they're they're hallucinating that pterodactyls are attacking them, and they're swinging around attacking, and what they think is a pterodactyl, but it turns out to be their family member or whatever it is. So we see a lot of those people go hospitalized, get hospitalized, and uh, 
you know, have to deal with those tough situations. But that's the main thing I see being the issue is that it alters people's mindsets to that point where they're a danger now to their community and to their family. Yeah. So th- this whole idea that uh, that with the all drugs being legal thing, um, what I'm not saying is I don't want heroin and methamphetamine sold on every street corner by the <laughs> newspaper. Right. So what I'm saying is in this scenario, there would be places where these people could go and they could get help. And you already see this in um, in Switzerland. So in Switzerland, they have these um, heroin clinics where people who are addicted to heroin can go. And what right. happens is they, they have government programs, which I'm, I'm against you know, government overreach, but these programs actually do help people. They, um, they provide a space for these addicts to go. So they don't go to the drug dealers. They go straight to the clinics and what they can do is they can get, um, they, they can get, uh, lower and lower doses to try and wean them off the drug. Um, they provide them with, uh, services to help them get jobs, help them get back on their feet. And what they find is, you know, obviously the drugs are addicting, but that's not the, you know, the, that's not the only root cause of addiction. Addiction is a very um, mental problem as well. Um, yeah, and, and, and find- I think, I think, and I know what you're talking about. They they go to these clinics. They have a registered nurse who administers their heroin. In Correct. Whatever place they want, you know. They even I watched a whole video on it. And I was I was actually impressed by what they were doing. But then again, we are also string to that. This is for people who want to get help, want to wean off of their addiction. They want to change it. Like you said, it's a very mental game. And so mm-hmm. my concern is with the people who we legalize all drugs, mm-hmm. but they don't want to wean off of it. So you have mm-hmm. these people and, and it's uh, the, the area I'm in itself has changed drastically in the last three years. We have seen a astronomical growth in opiate overdoses, especially heroin and fentanyl, things like that to the point where our CVSs are now selling, uh, uh, the nasal uh, spray, uh, Narcan, which basically isn't that developed the by the same? Isn't that developed by the same company that develops opioids? I believe uh, I read an article I, that they I developed so. a drug I, yeah. to help get off opioids, and they're the same well, people who make them. Well, and it's for the sense that they've seen this epidemic that you know, hand in hand, they've probably caused. Uh, yeah. You know, and you can't blame the company itself because in the same sense, you know, 2015, we had the huge, the pill mills and these doctors who were just, bam, bam, banging out prescriptions for hydrocodone and opiates and all this other stuff. Yeah. Well, the companies, I believe the drug, the drug company, uh, gosh, I can't remember the name of it, but they were, they were basically incentivizing these doctors to, to do so because the doctors were getting kickbacks from the company. Um, if that way, if they slung more pills, they got more cash. Um, so the doctors were just slinging these opioids like candy and well, that's, getting kickbacks from the company. Huge issue with it in the state of Florida. Yeah. And I believe in 2015 or 16, uh, the governor and FDLE and all that took a huge headway on a uh, drug task force. And then we go into the same thing. You're, you've got these government now spending money towards these agencies to help fight off things like that misuse of narcotics and stuff. And like I said, I agree with you that, you know, the government can't control what goes into your body. They can't control you at all. They shouldn't be able to. If you want to sit there and inject heroin six, seven times a day or snort cocaine or do meth, whatever, that's that's your choice. You're making that life choice. And I uh, I listened to 
what was it, Mr. Friedman, about uh, legalizing uh, narcotics. Milton Friedman. Milton yeah. Friedman, that's right. And uh, I, I agree with him, he, but in the same in that same video, he tells him that that person has, has basically given up their right to, uh, or not their right, but um, I'm trying to think of the word he used. Well, um, his whole idea was that Milton Friedman said that he has um, less sympathy for the person who goes right. out of their way to make those personal choices to take those drugs because mm -hmm. they're making a direct choice to take those drugs. Mm -hmm. Whereas he, the reason he's against the drug wars because it burdens the taxpayer and it also produces these gang violence and these cartel violence. And he says, I ha he says, um, a young kid on the side of the street that is in the crossfire of gang violence and gets shot and killed is an innocent victim in every sense of the word. But he says the person who goes out and reaches out and takes these drugs on his own personal decision, he has less sympathy for that person because they're making a personal choice. And so that, that his whole idea was about um, personal choice and personal freedom. And he doesn't want to burden others for the choice of another person. Right. Well, and I read an interesting thing about business and, and legalizing narcotics. And, uh, you know, it, it went into depth of how the argument will st would still stand. And why would you want to have somebody working with you that would be under the influence of methamphetamines or heroin or any of these other narcotics? You know, you don't want a cop responding to your house to handle a, a domestic violence dispute when he's on meth half the time because it's legal and he doesn't get judged on that sense. Sure. Well, I mean, you wouldn't want a drunk officer either. No, you wouldn't. And hopefully to God that doesn't happen. <laughs> so, and I, well, that's I mean, another it, argument I see is the alcohol, you know, it, sure. the uh, whole alcohol, why is alcohol and, uh, you know, uh, tobacco products not, not registered just like cocaine or meth is because they do provide some type of, change in your body. It's a mind altering yeah, substance mind -altering and yeah. substance and stuff. But in the same sense, you know, it, it's ultimately up to that person. I think that becomes a moral and a mental thing that they have to make those decisions. If you sit at home and drink a bunch of beer, or if you sit at home and you shoot heroin, you're fine. No big deal. You're doing your own thing. You're choosing to do your, what I would call an escape at your house and away from that. And I tell people, if you want to use narcotics, use narcotics. I, you do you. I don't know what you've been through. You can have that. But when you do it, please do it in your home. Don't do well, it. Well, the thing is, is, is like somewhere. I'm not – again, I just want to restate. I'm not advocating for this idea because I want people to do these drugs. The people right. are already doing these drugs. The the, 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 the the war on drugs currently has done nothing. It, it's failed in every sense of the word um, to – and really it had no defining um, defining victory. You know, the defining – I guess – I suppose you could say that the – defined goal of the war on drugs was just to eliminate drug use, I suppose. Well, um, and I think we go back to the whole, you know, Nixon starting the whole thing and, and the reason he started and the, the reasons may have been wrong at first or anything like that. But I think ultimately whether those reasons or we started it now, I think, I think you're right. There is no defining victory right now. There is no, I would even call it a light at the end of the tunnel because this is an ongoing battle that will probably go on forever. Probably um, an un right. it's an it is an unwinnable it's war. It's unwinnable, but in the same sense, say like like you like. What do you expect to happen? Say, hey, we legalize everything. Yeah. What is what's going to happen now? Um, you will see a slight increase in the use of those drugs. 
Um, right. That, Portugal that's a, did, and uh, Colorado saw the correct. same thing when they Washington all saw spikes in in post because hey, it's legal now. Like it's like hey, I'm 21. I'm gonna go get as much alcohol as I can right now. That's I correct. Can drink. So what you will see and watch again, like you referenced, you referenced the uh, the Portugal experiment. Um, the same thing was uh, done in Switzerland with heroin. Um, you see a slight uptick in the use of that, but in the case of Portugal. Um, let me pull up here. So Portugal had a, a terrible heroin addiction problem. Um, about 1% of their total population was addicted to the drug, um, which is insane. Could you imagine 1%, 1% of the, yeah, the total exactly. population of a country addicted to it? So um, they, they had the hardline approach, much like the U.S. They found um, that jailing and criminalizing individuals did absolutely nothing to curb the use of the drug. There, there was, they, they tried everything. They took the hardline approach. Nothing was working. So Portugal decided to do something crazy. Um, and what they did was they decriminalized all drugs in 2001. That, that's heroin, cocaine, the whole, the whole thing. And they unleashed a major public health campaign to tackle the addiction. Um, and ever since uh, that change in 2001, drug addiction has been treated more as a medical challenge rather than a criminal justice issue. Um, today, the Health Ministry of Portugal estimates that only about 25,000 Portuguese use heroin, down from 100,000 when the policy began. The policy dramatically reduced drug addiction. Overdose-related deaths plunged by 85%. HIV infections associated with the drug addiction fell 90%. And Portugal's drug mortality rate is the lowest in Western Europe, one-tenth the rate of Britain and Denmark, and about one-fifteenth that of the U.S., now, like I said, the system's not perfect. There is a slight uptick um, when they when they uh, first decriminalized uh, all drugs. They did see a slight uptick in the drug use. It's it's. I mean, you, you'd be foolish not to think that that would happen. However, um, let me see here. Uh, the Portuguese model is often described simply as decriminalization, but perhaps the most important part is the public health initiative to treat addiction and to discourage narcotics use. Now, the um, the budget that Portugal had for enforcement um, was about for, for drug crimes. They, they spent about 90 percent of their budget on enforcement and 10 percent of their budget on health care. And what they did is they flipped that number on its back. So now they use about 10% of their budget on enforcement and about 90% on the health care. Um, so right. that it, it, the Portugal experiment is so interesting because it goes to show that a humane and health-led approach can be much more, um, or excuse me, much less damaging to a society um, than the current hardline policy. Now, I know this is, it's not a perfect system. Um, Portugal is much smaller than the United States. And I, you know, I, I don't like when people bring up smaller countries and examples of like socialism, for example, to bring in right. these ideas and to say, oh, well, the United States could try this. However, the, the, the socialism capitalism debate is much different than this debate. The war on drugs is failing. Um, it's failing terribly. Um, so give me your thoughts on the Portugal. I, I know you've read up on it and I know you read up on possibly Switzerland as well. What do you, th what do you think of the, the idea of that? So what I've, what I've read on them is exactly what you're giving me. I mean, it's their program does seem to be working, but I think in the same instance, it's, it's a small area. You know, we have such a, it's, we're so much larger and there's so much more of a vast, uh, 
indifferent population that has all kinds of different backgrounds and all kinds of stuff going on. But in the same instance, I think we are such on a, a bigger scale. Um, it's just, it's hard to, to measure those things. You know, like, like, I, like I mentioned with Florida, we, we put a handle on our pill mill to try and stop an opiate addiction. You know, we tried those things. I don't think the war on drugs is losing. I, I don't think that there's much headway being made because I think also a lot of our government has some hand in that. Um, there's a lot of those things that go on that, you know, we don't know about, but I, in talking about the local stuff, you know, I read where you were talking about, uh, basically if we legalize drugs that, uh, the gangs and the, and the cartels are going to just, all their funding stops. But I ask you, and how, how, how is that? How are they going to stop? Because I can tell you this, Billy Bob isn't going to, you know, him making his meth, he's going to be selling it. And then someone's going to say, hey, well, he's got better meth than I can make. I'm going to go buy it from him. So in that same instance, people are going to be bringing in those narcotics and still selling them on the street. The only problem now is they're not they're not uh, illegal. But you're still going to have the crimes that spew off of those. People are going to be burglarizing houses and cars, breaking in so that they can make an extra money or sell something or trade something for some narcotics from these other people. You're always going to have the sell of narcotics is what I've seen, whether you legalize it. And legalizing drugs is it just doesn't make people use them more responsibly, you know, like we hope they will or anything like that. They still need that fix, and I hate to say it like that, but they go and they do what they can. You know, they they sell their body or they sell the things they have or they use their vehicles. We have people all the time. Their main thing is is a uh, they, they people are doing that now, Cutler. Well, I know that, but illegal, legalizing the drugs aren't going to do anything. It just changed the effect that we can stop those people from selling. We've stopped several several mar- large uh, heroin dealers here in our county uh, based on being able to make those. Whereas if we didn't, the crime that we get from those heroin addicts and those people doing the crime, it spills over into the community. So without those laws and those regulations, we wouldn't be able to stop them. We wouldn't be able to to put a halt to this crime because now we've seen a drop in our burglaries and our and our crime rate in certain areas. Now that we've gotten rid of those high level dealers, have we sure. stopped? Have we stopped the importation of heroin into the United States? No, local government you know is able to do their part, and I think that's where the law really helps is for us to help our community. Now, is it helping big big government be able to help and? take down cartels over in Mexico and, and be able to handle the stuff down in Panama. No, I don't think it is helping there, but in our local government, those rules and regulations help us to fight and make our communities a lot better. I I agree with you on some level of that. Uh, However, to to say that the war on drugs is not failing it, it, I mean, it, it already has failed. I mean, it's, it hasn't eliminated drug abuse. Um, it hasn't, it's failed to keep drugs out of the hands of addicts. It's failed to keep drugs away from teenagers. Um, it's failed to reduce the demand for drugs. Um, it's failed to stop the violence associated with drug trafficking. It's failed to help drug addicts get proper treatment. It's failed to have an impact on the use or availability of the most, uh, of most drugs in the United States. In fact, the only thing it succeeded in is driving them underground, which is what you and, and, and your um, your coworkers and your, your your other officers are fighting against is the underground market for these drugs. Um, the underground black market for these drugs is violent. It's corrupt. It, it has horrendous quality control, um, which is why you see these uh, overdoses and, and uh, you know, people dying from taking these impure drugs. Right. Well, and they don't and know how to administer it to themselves. And, and it criminalizes individuals who could benefit from the use of drugs like marijuana. 
um, and treat, and treating cases like nausea and pain treatment. Um, the war on drugs has clogged the judicial uh, system with unnecessary swelled prisoner populations. It's fostered violence, corrupted law enforcement in some cases, eroded li- civil liberties. And I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on. I, I, well, I, and I, I think I think ultimately that you you're right. I think that there is a our legislation and our way of prosecuting drug offenders needs to change. I think. You know, you're caught with a, a crack rock or or a, a small personal use stuff. I don't think there should be, hey, you're going to go to jail now and you're going to go spend time in prison and all that kind of stuff. But I think for these heavy, large traffickers, just like in the in the case of of marijuana, like we're talking about, and, and Colorado legalizing it, they saw a spike in both, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, mastermind criminals or uh, large criminal minds being being uh, charged. I think their felony percent went up five uh, percent um, in legalizing it. But and I'll change it that they they did stop the seizure of marijuana because now it's legalized and everything. Um, their marijuana main seizures in 2011 were at 66 percent was how much marijuana they were seizing. And then after the legalization, it dropped down to only 24% was being seized. Now, opiums and stuff like that jumped up to 27% uh, seizure rate. And the main charges that people were getting charged with is, like we're talking about, possessing and concealing. But their distribution and selling charges went up an entire percent four years after they've legalized the uh, uh, use of marijuana recreationally. I don't think stopping the war on drugs is going to do anything much like you're arguing the fact that you think the war on drugs isn't doing anything. I think we're able to, like I said, help local law enforcement and local agencies on a on a bigger scale to be able to stop and help our communities be better. By legalizing that, you're going to take away the means of your local agencies or and our bigger agencies to act and to stop these certain things. Now, given, you know, you have your large cities that are just, you know, it's tough. Jacksonville probably has a very bad drug problem. Miami mm-hmm. has drug problems. Yeah, Chicago. These places all have huge drug problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and the importation of them comes from, you know, outside of our area. It gets imported in. A lot of the stuff that we have, we, we don't manufacture here. Marijuana is probably the most manufactured thing here. Sure. A lot of it, a lot of it comes from Mexico and the, and the drug Correct. cartels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get, so, you have black tar heroin that comes from China and you have, yep. uh, the standard heroin that comes from Mexico, um, along with marijuana, cocaine, all that comes from through those borders and stuff. Um, but I think if you take away the the war on drugs and you say let's legalize everything, you're not. I don't think you're going to change anything in that mindset. You're not going to change people saying, "Hey, I'm going to stop using or I'm just going to use on my own because I can do it now." I think you're going to see a spike in crime rate, just like how uh, Colorado has. I think you'll see a spike in the people almost becoming more violent because now it's going to be public. I can make whatever price I want. It's not taxed. Are we going to tax it? In those yes. Instances, you, you, no, look, you get well, the wrong idea. I, look, this, imagine what the drug cartels would have to go through. Their whole, their whole uh, market is destroyed by legalization. They have zero funding after that. What are they selling? Something that's legal? <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. Where Okay, so we, we say they, they have no funding. So where is someone else going to get, like, let's just say cocaine, for instance. Hospital, yeah. Hospitals carry cocaine in for emergency situations and people like that. Sure. Um, but <clears throat> so the cartel, you know, United States comes out and says, hey, cocaine's legal. All drugs are legal. 
that's not going to stop the cartel from bringing it here to sell it something that's legal because it's ultimately a drug that people seek out. Not They don't seek it out from the cartel because it's an illegal substance. They seek it out because they want it. There's guys selling it down in bars because people want it. There's a market for it. So and all of a sudden the states, hey. Exactly. So, so people have CVS, to go to the cartels to get it. Well, they, they go to their dealer who gets it from somewhere, who gets it from somewhere, who ultimately gets it from the cartel. Yeah, I'm so saying when you got cocaine's, the- cocaine R us and you got uh, you got a <laughs> people uh, that are uh, it's, it's taxed heavily. It's regulated heavily. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't you don't see the drug cartels getting in the beer business. You, you don't. But let me ask you this. So well, probably because they don't know how to make good beer. Hey, I enjoy a Corona every now and again. <laughs> But so what I'm saying is you, you have these things that are high tax. Let's say, you know, uh, alcohol, for instance, still uh, some people like moonshine is illegal, but people still make it and they still run it and they still put it throughout and they still charge a buttload for it. And there's still people out there paying for it. The same thing with tobacco. Tobacco is sold all throughout the states illegally because tobacco prices are so high. So then you create this, you know, co- cocaine RX, you know, where they can buy cocaine legally, but they're charging too much for it. So, but I know that I can go to uh, Jimmy down the road and he, he'll sell me cocaine for half the price that they ate, the, the store will. And plus there's no effect now. So Jimmy's sitting there making money. He's getting to file it without taxes or anything like that. It's not even getting taxed or regulated. And then we go back to quality control. Now Jimmy's getting it in at a kilo. He's cutting that with about a half of it is now baking soda or whatever else he decides to put it in or spray on it. Now you Mm -hmm. go back to quality control and it's completely legal and we can't do anything to Jimmy now because other than tax laws. No, that's not completely true though. That's not completely true because look, the thing is the violence that comes out of this with the drain, the the gang violence, the drug cartels, the violence coming out of that, it, it would end overnight. Because they have no incentive. They're fighting over drug territory. Are they not? Well, no. I think in the instance you're thinking of cartels going against each other and then, and then all of a sudden we take away their funding by having these RX places, but ultimately they're still going to be funded. You take away RX7 or whatever and it sells cocaine and, and the cartel or you give it that thing and you they can sell cocaine now. The cartel is still going to bring their product in. They're still going to fight over who can build where and all the stuff that goes down there with the cartel wars and everything. The only way that the cartels would stop fighting is if they bought property in the United States, moved their operation over here, and then owned a couple RX-7s to sell their product. I think that's the only way you would see it. But then again, you're saying they're not buying beer companies. They're not doing it because... The beer market's already controlled. Maybe they move into the United States. Well, it's Maybe like you bring this violent cartel over here and they start growing. But I don't think you're going to stop a crime rate or anything like that from decreasing by legalizing those drugs. Well, I, I, th- I think well, I, I disagree. I mean, I, just just for the fact that, um, look, when you cut off the when you cut off the head, which is the drug, this is like their entire funding is out of this black market drug, this drug black market, right? You cut off the head, these guys wither in and they go into something. You're not going to eliminate evil. You're not going to eliminate crime. Okay. Now what you're going to be able to do with this is you are going to eliminate the crime associated with these drugs. I mean, like I said, you're not going to completely root it out. Look, you see rare cases where people are shooting and stealing money to buy a six pack of beer, you know, in very rare cases, you see that. But I mean, it, it, overall, 
Uh, we have more people dying of drug overdoses here than we had American soldiers uh, dying in the Vietnam, Afghanistan, and Iraq wars combined. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you don't see – with the legalization, we don't have to look too far back. We, we can look at alcohol prohibition and what it did. It brought in crime. And I think that's what the war on drugs has created. Un- unintentionally, uh, it wasn't cre- the war on drugs wasn't created to start crime, obviously. It was created to try and trim it down. But what it inadvertently did is it did – it gave the cartels – exactly what they needed a a, a government regulating their high prices for an illegal substance that they can't get rid of i mean it's it's like whack-a-mole you you can take down different drug dealers here and there but they're just going to pop up other places right well and i think like 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 i was saying earlier i agree with you on the i think we brought in a sense of we're charging people now with petty possession of things you know, things that they're just trying to use to be themselves and, and that they want to consume. But I, I still think that, and I know, I know you disagree with me on this, but I think if you took away uh, the crime, uh, not the criminal, the criminal aspect of it and said, Hey, these drugs are illegal, that you're still going to be funding these criminal, uh, organizations that are, are manufacturing this. I don't think putting up an RX-7 or whatever you want to call it to sell drugs is going to fix anything. I think that ultimately that the prices would be like they are with tobacco. They're too high. Same thing with alcohol. It's too high. I think you, you make these things so almost unattainable that, hey, this person that would most likely be addicted to narcotics can't afford those prices. You know, it's like like some of these prescription pills that are controlled by these markets and stuff. They're, they're so outrageously priced that families can't purchase them. You can't, you can't use them. You can't have them. Well, that's, a, that's the thing about the, cover them. that's the thing so about then, the free market though. I mean, you, you do have price regulations obviously, correct. but you don't see, you don't see people and marijuana legalization is tricky because only half about, about half the country has legalized it so far, but marijuana isn't priced out of, control like you, you have that's why that's why illegal possession or um uh people are buying uh, people would much rather go to a store and buy marijuana legally than have to go to a drug dealer and get marijuana that's laced with god knows what they mm-hmm. don't know what they're getting <laughs> however if they go to these rx stores and they get the marijuana they know exactly they, they, they know they're getting exactly what they want it's not laced with anything it's pure they they know they can smoke it and enjoy it however they want and and it's completely driven out the illegal sale of marijuana almost entirely well and i I agree with you on that i think that someone would would go there and do that but i i I mean like i was talking about with the colorado thing uh they've seen a spike in both uh the organized crime um as well as the seizure of other narcotics rather than marijuana um you know well sure because i mean when marijuana legal yeah. When marijuana is legal, you're not going to seize marijuana. You're going to have more seizures of other drugs. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. So you've got those things, the, you got that going on, but there, everything else has gone up in those areas and stuff. And so in legalizing it, maybe it drops those things down. But I think like you're saying, it, it's ultimately you're, you're going to have, like I was saying, the, the people that can't buy the, the afford 
those prices that are going to be set are still going to be going to buy it from someone else. Because, or even if, if we can't, like say they just legalize it, but we don't provide a way to for people to get these drugs or there's not a program that's reachable for somebody, they're still going to find a way to go back. Just like how people right now sell Xanax out of the back of their car or they sell opiates or they sell these pills. Sure. And, and because there's no pill mill, I can't go to a, a pharmacy and get this pill over the counter. I have to get it through a drug dealer or something like that. And most of these pills become stamped. And to buy a stamp or a press, a pill press, uh, I believe the last price I checked was $1,500 to buy a pill press. And then you buy your product, which is probably less than that. Um, and you can stamp anywhere between you know 500 to 1,000 pills with this pill mill and put in whatever you want. Whether it be you know a powder version of a pill and you're just trying to conceal its identity, or uh, it's laced with fentanyl and you're going to have overdoses coming out of the wazoo, um, but you can turn that and you can make a huge profit because where the pharmacy is now selling this Xanax or whatever, they're selling it for let's say a hundred dollars a bottle. I can sell mine for thirty dollars a bottle or thirty dollars even cheaper and still make a huge profit and people are going to come buy my profit because I put it at such a lower market and my price, you know, to buy in is not expensive at all. And yeah, so but people aren't, the- people aren't going to, I mean, you'll have some people go to you. Sure. But you, I think the you'll majority, have more than you think go to, I don't think so I think because people don't want to overdose. People don't no, want to overdose on fentanyl. People don't, they want to feel that feeling. And so you have these people, a lot of overdoses that I see are people trying to expand more and more. And so they try and use a larger amount or something that can get them there quicker and longer. stronger amount. Yeah. Exactly. Which the they war on drugs these. has increased this, the strength of drugs. Well, and I think that these, I think, so you take it back and say, let's legalize it 10 years ago. I think people would still be pushing for that. Look at where, look where we've gone with marijuana now with dabs and stuff. Yeah, you, you basically take the, the stems and of, of marijuana, you put them in a canister, you, br- uh, you basically break it down with butane, and ultimately you get what we call butter, wax, uh, basically a THC oil concentrate that'll get you high as a kite in all of two seconds, and in some cases put you to the point where you are, are out for a long time. You know, and yeah. before you had to do that, you had to be Willie Nelson and smoke a ton smoke of your weed. body weight. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to, to reach those points. So I think even with that in the the I think marijuana should never have been a schedule one drug and all that stuff. But with the looseness yeah. of marijuana in the past five years that it has come and grown in the in its you know recreational legalization. You know, I think in the same sense, we would have done the same thing with cocaine, with crack, oh, uh, cocaine, methamphetamines. People would be still pushing for those things to be better, quicker, faster, and ultimately more deadly because the way they react. So then you have someone that comes off of an opiate overdose, or not overdose, but an opiate usage. They take a break because they can't afford it anymore. They get their hands on some. They shoot up what they used to shoot up, and now their body's changed and yeah. getting used to no opiates, and that's right. when you get an overdose because they've used too much and their body's not, and they, it's just done. Exactly. You know? So that's that's I, another good reason to have those places where those people can go. Cool. And they can I, they can have they can have help. And the whole idea is to get people off of these drugs. I don't want these drugs legalized so that people stay on them. And that's not what well, Portugal I, did. They didn't decriminalize. They didn't legalize the drugs for people to just go wild, wild west and just do right. whatever they wanted. Now, what they did do, Portugal didn't. What all they did was they decriminalized having possession of the drug. 
They now it, what they do is they still crack down on illegal drug suppliers and dealers. They still crack down on those, but they they decriminalize the possession of of the drugs. And well, what that's like what I'm talking with you about. I agree with you on you know Joe Blow who's got a crack rock or whatever type of narcotic he personally uses. I don't think is an issue if that's what he wants to do and go home as long as he doesn't drive or go do anything on it. I'm completely fine with it. I wouldn't want someone that watches kids to be under the influence of meth half the time when they're at home because meth over a period of time causes alterations to the brain to where they hallucinate at any point in time, whether they use narcotics or the way they, they didn't use it. Um, you know, I wouldn't want there, – there would still need to be some type of regulation. That's why I think yes. you take away – I think you take away the ultimate like, – like I said, I agree with you on people using what they want in their own bodies. And we put a more strict, I guess you would say, war on drugs, maybe more like war on the cartel, the the dealers and stuff. And I think that's what has stemmed from all this is that we have we've let it go from being the main goal was to stop the cartels. Well, there's so much going on in the states that we have to focus every little bit of law enforcement gets focused on different aspects of it. Local agencies to big agencies. We all have a different goal and different aspect that we're looking for. Yeah. So. I, I agree with you on, hey, possession, eh, not a big deal. But dealing, distribution, those things, those things are big deals. And especially if it was to be legal, I think there would still need to be some type of war on the people who, because I think, I mean, right now you can, the, we talk about black market, you can buy anything you want, you know, in the same sense of stuff that's Correct. legal, you can you can purchase it still. Yes. Um, you know, there's no point, you know. In why, why, if this thing's legal, why should I buy it illegally? You know, but in the same sense, people still do that. People still go around about to buy prescription pills that are completely legal, completely like you're talking about. They're completely, uh, uh, taxed and they're, uh, followed and, uh, regulated in that same sense. But there's people that still, they, uh, Hey, grandma gets a hundred Xanax every month. So, their teenager grandson goes and takes it and sells it at the schools for $10 a pill, you know, and makes it. Yeah. Grand. Well, I, the, the thing is I don't want, so you can still go after those people who are illegally supplying those in larger quantities than what is needed because well, these, that's, these, I think where we differ is the, the under, not the understanding, but the, the concept that if you legalize it all, that just all this crime is going to go away of, of, of drug lords and criminal uh, organizations that you deal narcotics. I think they'll still be there. I think if you were to legalize it tomorrow, that the cartels would still funnel in their product. I believe that the, the uh, Russians and everyone that funnels in their product into the United States because it is such a vast, huge market – yeah, uh, I think it would still. I think it would still come into this day. I, I think they'd have to change their product. I mean, I, I, the cartels and gangsters are going to have to shift heavily out of the drug business if it gets legalized. But I mean, getting rid of these giant organizations and and their funding, I mean, they're they're still going to have their money. But it, it, you cut the the head off like that. I, I don't know. They 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 shift to another thing. And I, it, I don't think they would. I think it's something they know. I think they make, and like I'm saying, I've never used narcotics or anything like that that haven't been prescribed. So I don't know what Mexican cocaine does or feels like. Um, but in the same instance, apparently it's really good stuff because a ton of people use it all the time. <laughs> and like the way it feels. So I think that, oh, hey, the United States is making this synthetic cocaine now. 
I, I think they're going to go, well, the Mexican stuff's always been better. I, I'm just going to go back to it and use it. And I think there's still going to be a market for people to buy that. You know, I mean, ultimately, you know, I think there's always going to be a spot. Like there are meth dealers that cook their own meth. You know what I'm saying? A lot of them use it and stuff. So they do and try what they feel, what they like. And what they like, their customers like. And so they continue to make this product that that everyone likes and continues to come to it. Can Jim Bob make meth and then Susie make meth? And because they both make meth, but Susie's like, ah, this meth sucks, so I'm going to go buy Jim Bob's. But Jim Bob charges way too much for it now, so I'm going to go break into some cars and burglarize some houses. I'm going to sell some DVD players. I'm going to go get me enough money <laughs> to get it. I'm going to go buy his meth. So I think that same on that small spectrum I just explained still mm. happens on the bigger spectrum of cartels and organized crime. Uh, to that degree. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And I think, I think what, well, the thing is what's happening right now isn't working. So what we're experiencing right now is ridiculous drug car. Drugs are flowing. The drug, the flow of drugs has not stopped. Overdoses are on a all time high. Um, you see more people with, you see the access to drugs at a higher level than it's ever been. And the war on drugs has been going on for 40 years, 50 years. I think it's time to entertain some new ideas. And, and I, I think now that I agree with, I completely agree. New ideas, new ways to combat, uh, these, these illegal narcotics as they were, um, and to, to help fight. Cause ultimately what we all want is a better community to live in. I yes. you know I don't want my mailman smoking meth and delivering my mail and then running up to my house crazy because he's hallucinating <laughs> something's chasing him you know yeah, and that's just a small inconvenience and the bigger inconvenience is you've got these kids who use these narcotics spice for instance that was such a and spice is something we can't as law enforcement ultimately control because the chemical makeup of it is always changing it's always hmm. different there's as soon i've as never we, heard of that before did you say as soon spice as Kate, You've never heard of spice? No. Synthetic marijuana. Spice, is spice girls. Is. I know spice girls. Spice. But. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got synthetic marijuana. And ultimately, basically what they did was they took uh, plant-based materials and they came up with a chemical compound that was close to marijuana. And then oh, they soak okay. It, and I've just never heard the term spice. It. I know what synthetic marijuana is. but Yeah, well, it's ultimately spice and stuff. Okay. Well, ultimately, it. it is like what we were talking about with you get to these companies that make this stuff. They sell it. We get it. It tests, it doesn't pop positive for THC or any kind of thing like that, but this kid is under the influence. He is driving erratically. He's caused a crash or something like that. Well, that's already, I mean, that's illegal anyway with well, alcohol no, no, no. I'm, and. I'm not, I'm just saying, I'm saying under this, we can't figure out what the drug is. So we don't know how to treat it yeah. or how to help him or anything like that because it's this synthetic drug sure. that they, that they use. And what happens is when we find out, okay, this is the chemical composite, it's now illegal. And if you go into the Florida state statute book under the uh, section that defines narcotics uh, under synthetic is this long, long list of the illegal, you know, synthetic marijuanas at that point mm-hmm. spices. Um, but it's always changing because they do, all they do is they want move one thing here and it's a total different makeup. Yeah. And now it's no longer that, but it still has these psychedelic effects that make create things like uh, like that meth does paranoia, um, schizophrenic kids, people basically blacking out like an opium overdose. Um, yeah, they and that's what I'm talking about with the the quality control. You know, also yeah. you're taking something where hey, you I, don't know what's I in smoke it. this all the time, but now that they changed the thing, I'm blacking out and having seizures. Well, that's a you great know. case for legalization. So the, you get into that whole concept of. <laughs> 
it's always changing. And it's that, a mess. Companies, yeah, and I and those are companies actually doing that. There, there are companies that change that stuff. Same company mm. that would probably control the RX to sell the cocaine or the synthetic cocaine or whatever they wanted to make it of the month. The the uh, drug change. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would I would uh, just regulate that stuff the same as you would regulate alcohol and 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 tobacco. Um, I, but I did want to, what I did want to read here is there, there's a fantastic article on the Mises Institute um, that gathers uh, Ludwig von Mises' thoughts on the subject wonderfully. I thought um, so. Mises said, once the government assumes control over what one can and can't put into his mouth, nose, or veins, or regulates the circumstances under which one can lawfully introduce something into his body, there is no limits to its power and no stopping its reach. Opium and morphine are are certainly dangerous, habit-forming drugs, but once the principle is admitted that it is the duty of the government to protect the individual against his own foolishness, no serious objections could be advanced further excuse me advanced against further encroachments as soon as we surrender the principle that the state should not interfere in any questions touching on the individual's mode of life we end by regulating and restricting the latter down to the smallest detail mises tells us exactly what a slippery slope uh, drug prohibition leads to he uh, he's asked why what is valid for morphine and cocaine should not be valid for nicotine and caffeine Mises goes on to say, why should we not, why should not the state generally prescribe which foods may be indulged in and what must be avoided because they are injurious? If one abolishes man's freedom to determine his own consumption, one takes away all freedoms. Why limit the government's benevolent providence uh, to the protection of the individual's body only? Is not the harm a man can inflict on his mind and soul even more disastrous than any bodily evils? Why not prevent him from reading bad books and seeing bad plays, from looking at bad paintings, statues, and hearing bad music? When it comes to bad habits, vices, and immoral behavior of others, in contrast to the state, which does everything by compulsion and the application of force, Mises considered the tolerance and persuasion to be the rules. A free man must be able to endure it when his fellow men act and live otherwise than he considers proper. I, I think that is a pretty good point that he brings up. What do you think? I, I, I agree there. I, I and like I said, like from the beginning, that's when I read uh, read his or uh, not article, but the snippet of his. Um, I, I like I said, I, I completely agree that people should be able to put into their bodies what they want to put in their bodies. If you want to go drink a cup of Drano every other day, drink a cup of Drano. I mean, ultimately, it'll probably kill you, but I'm not. It's one your choice, though. It's your choice to do that. But in the same instance, we have people who, you know, reach out for those things and take those drugs and then reach out for help and stuff. And ultimately, you know, they they do those. And, and I am fully uh, sometimes people want help, but it takes a little bit of a push to get that help. Ultimately, like, Yeah. I, I think I there does need to be a, a like more of a the focus Baker Act criteria, the Marchman Act criteria, um, where people basically law enforcement comes in contact with them or they they submit themselves to a facility um, to a point where they are a danger to themselves or others. They're they're mentally unstable, um, really out there. And this goes for both people who are on drugs and aren't on drugs, people who have suicidal tendencies and stuff, and they just want to get that help. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think that people 
should be able to put into their bodies whatever they want. But I think at the point that you cross a line that you still there should, I, for me, DUIs are a big thing around here, especially because we're such a, a party town and you know everyone's always drinking and and partying and driving and thinking it's okay. Um, I think you you get to that point where hey, if you wanna if you wanna inject and you wanna you sit at your house and chill, I'm good for you. But the minute you step into a car, I think there should be a more uh, I guess you would say exuberant charge than just hey DUI. Yeah, well, I mean, you're putting other people at risk at that point, and, and yeah, that is you, that is crossing a line. A good friends of ours, good friends of ours. I'm not gonna name who they are, but they were they were in a car crash just recently in the area, mm. um, and the person that hit them was doing probably about forty five thirty five, uh, plowed into the back of them because he was under the influence of heroin and was in the uh, sudden state of blacking out. Mm. Um, just in the same instance that someone drinking alcohol, you know, would be too drunk to realize a car is coming up on them. Yeah. But I think with 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 the the drug the drug use there, you make that conscious decision to get in there under the influence of this and drive. I think there should still I think DUI should be should be a bigger charge as well. In here in Florida, they're only misdemeanors. I think it's really? everyone goes to the yeah. It's only a misdemeanor in Florida to, to be DUI. Now, once you get your third DUI, it's a felony. But uh, DUIs in general are only misdemeanors, and I think the issue is. But is it is a mis- is it a misdemeanor if you're just caught driving drunk, or is it a? I mean, surely if you hit somebody, if you hit somebody it, and cro- cause damage, it's just you're also charged with the damage. But the the main issue is the DUI with serious bodily injury or death and stuff like that. That's where it becomes the felonies and stuff. Right. Um, it's just, I think ultimately, if you want to be preventive in your actions, and I think that's what it comes down to a lot of it for us as law enforcement is we want to be preventive in, in stopping these things. Did I want our friends to get hit by a heroin addict who was under the influence? driving 45 down on a 35 and coming up to a red light, not paying attention. No, I wanted to stop that guy beforehand. Now say I stopped him 10 minutes earlier before he got to use in his car in the parking lot. And I caught him with possession and it's legal. And he goes, I'm like, all right, well, you're just shooting up heroin. Have a great day. Don't drive for me. And I walk away and he takes off. And in the same accident, whereas if it's illegal, I walk with the car, I see narcotics in plain view, I take them out of the car, and I stop a crash or a possible fatality from happening. You get into the preventive state of those things. Now, still, if he was at his house, no problem. But if that was legal, there was nothing I could have done in that instance. There would be nothing I could do but just let it happen because he's using it. Now, with alcohol, if I find someone with a couple beers in their car, there's nothing I can do there. I can't stop them from drinking those beers or anything. I can say, hey, listen, don't drink and drive. But if I catch them behind the wheel and they're intoxicated, clearly, and they haven't left the parking lot yet and they're in physical control of the vehicle, they can still get charged with DUI. But like I said, it's just a misdemeanor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, it, there's there's no crystal ball. There, There's no crystal ball. You can't tell what people are and aren't going to do. Um, however, I, I think it is a serious issue that the United States has 5% of the world's population, but nearly 25% of its incarcerated population in the world. The, the United States imprisons more people than any other nation in the world, largely due to the war on drugs. We incarcerate more people for possession of a plant than we do all violent crime combined. Um, and analysis, there was what 500,000 or something like that were 
uh, incarcerated a year. I can't yeah. remember what the number mm-hmm. was. It was a, it was an insanely high number that are incarcerated a year based on on uh, I would say narcotics, nonviolent narcotics related offenses. Correct. Um, and that's that's where that's where we agree on this whole thing is that I think that the the legislation and that the the whole I guess behind the law behind it needs to change in the sense of we don't need to be charging these petty possessions with these these eleven twenty fours and this this all this probation and all that stuff. It's just a way for state to get more money and to to peddle out of the pockets and stuff. But in the same sense, you need these serious charges for people who are continued violators just because they never shot at anybody over a drug deal or anything like that doesn't mean that they're causing not causing some kind of violence in their community ultimately from there they're possessing you know whether it's 24 pounds of of marijuana or you know 10 pounds of of cocaine or 10 ounces of fentanyl ultimately they're going to distribute that which is ultimately going to affect your community for people trying to get that and i i know we'd go back to legalizing it and you know, they just sell. Sure, go, f- go full circle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we go full so- circle and stuff. But I think the the uh, the crime there is still going to occur. And, and you're like, Crystal Ball, we could play the what if game all day long. You know, what sure. If yeah, I, right. I arrested that guy nine years earlier for heroin, and he uh, yeah. you know, had a, a vision. That I should stop using it and stuff like sure. that. Sure. Yeah, uh, I, I just I, and that's not what I I'm, that's not my intention is to just throw the what if game around and around, but. Again, like I said before, the, the war on drugs it has failed and it is failing currently. And I, I think, which is why you see this idea getting gaining more and more steam. You're, you're gonna, if you haven't heard of it yet, you're gonna hear more and more about ending the war on drugs. Ron Paul, back in 2008, uh, when he ran for president, he brought it up into the main stage. And really, since then, the the Libertarian Party has really been hitting on this to try and fix this epidemic that is the. The mass incarceration numbers, just an enormous amount of money um, from the taxpayers go into these uh, federal prisons. And I mean, they can't even keep drugs out of federal prisons. The drugs are getting into federal prisons and and it's just a a disaster on all fronts. However, I am so glad that you were able to come on the show and kind of give your side of it because I do value your opinion because you are on the front lines and you see it every single day. Um, So Cutler. Thank you for coming on, my friend. Dude, it's been a blast. I love discussing this with you and everything. And, you know, it's it's been fun. It's something that weighs on my heart. You know, I love uh, being able to be out there and protecting my community and everything and trying to make the world a better place. But at the same time, I don't want to ruin people's lives and put them in jail forever. So that's where we come to this one-on-one uh, kind of conversation where we can discuss our opinions and everything. Yeah. Well, I love you, buddy. Thanks for coming on. And uh, everybody, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook. We are located on Spotify and iTunes. Uh, Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. uh, And we'll see you on the next episode of Freedom Strips. Later, everybody. Later.